This evening, we spent some time in Dunkirk, waiting with the Allies to be evacuated to England. We're off to Japan for what promises to be an enlightening experience. We talk about why you should always triple-check those references before taking in a lodger. And Mary from Alveston Ward in the hospital joins us with a song and a film that always makes her cry. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Hello and welcome to your Friday night movie nostalgia trip. We are broadcasting from Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. I am Tosin and I will be your host, holding your hand as we trawl through the treasure trove that is movies made before 1980. Trolling along with me this evening are Joe. Hello. Sean. Hello there. And Sharon. Hello. And we also have a couple of interns in with us today. So Dan, say hello, Dan. Very good evening to you all. Yeah, and uh, Mike. Hello, good evening. Okay, cool. And that should be the last you hear from them for, or for the rest of the show. With any <laughs> All right, yeah. And also joining us this week, this week will be uh, Mary from our pet ward, Alveston. Hello, Alveston. Hello, Hi, Alveston. Hello, Alveston. Hello, Hello Mary. How are you doing? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I had a good chat with Mary earlier today. But how are you guys doing? How's the week's been? It's been tough. Yeah, tough week. Yeah. Actually, it's been quite a nice week, though, actually. I've seen a few few movies this week. I managed to catch up. You, what, you like movies? Bit. Yeah, you me. Should, you'd never guess, would you? Cool. How about you, Sharon? Yeah, it's been a good week. been working. I've caught up with a couple of films as well. So, yeah, it's been a good week. All right, cool. Good stuff. Right. Um, every week, we pick on this show, we pick some films that we think are bona fide classics. Films that we think anybody should watch this and should just watch this before, <coughs> like, you know, get this in their lives. This week, Sharon gets first pick. So, J Sharon, what are we talking about first this week? Yeah, my first pick is stepping back into the 1940s and to an, an event that should have been a horrible defeat but was actually turned around. And so we feel we think of it as being a triumph over absolute humiliation. So I'm thinking about the film called Dunkirk, which was made in 1958, and it starred John Mills and Richard Attenborough. And where is that set? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, cool. Before we say anything else, I've actually got something from the opening of Dunkirk to play. And then after we play this, if you can just tell us what is going on and how and yes. carry on from that. Right, so the opening of Dunkirk. Britain welcomes the members of the new French government and the commanders of her forces, and the new French Premier, Monsieur Paul Reynaud. After the meeting, Britain and France issue a solemn declaration binding their two peoples still more closely. It declares to the world that the change of government in France will mean no change in the cooperation between the two nations, and there's perfect cooperation, too, between the heads of the Allied forces. Our armies will fight side by side. So look out, Hitler, here we come. Members of the Foreign Press Association are on a visit to the British Air Forces on the Western Front. They represent many of the newspapers in neutral countries. Apart from military secrets, we have nothing to hide. We're fighting our war in the open. Our propaganda is true. Belgium, too, is showing off her preparedness. This is one of her coastal batteries where the men live in bomb-proof blockhouses and can be ready for action within a few seconds. And German warships will hardly dare to operate in seas that are policed by the Royal Navy. There lies Belgium's best hope of security. And here's somewhere else where they're shooting at birds from every angle. 2050. I mean, 250 Pacific Coast cuties. I mean, Pacific Coast beauties. What a picture. What a job. Any gorgeous. <laughs> At 
the Manson House in London, Mr. Chamberlain makes a statement on the progress and prospects of the war. The oceans of the world have been swept clear of German shipping. Right. That is the optimism that was early 1940, before they got the bloody nose of Dunkirk, basically. <clears throat> Setting the history. September, obviously, Poland was invaded. The Allies declared war on Germany. And that was in September. And then nothing happened for six months. There was very little movement on either front. And people like this, they were having the propaganda films made of the RAF, you know, looking triumphant, the Navy, master of the waves. And then... But nothing happened. You see pictures of sort of Hitler swanning about and bits of going. That's why you see the troops sort of jeering because you see them like posturing in their propaganda films. And they're thinking, this pompous little man that Hitler is, he's never going to defeat us. Look at us, our magnificent forces. And then in about a month, Germany rolled across Europe. Yeah. They swept all before them. And what ended up was there was two beachheads. There was one, a pocket of men in Calais, and there was a pocket of men in Dunkirk, where they basically were forced back and back and back against the sort of the might of the German Blitzkrieg. They just couldn't with the hold out against it. And it was the British Expeditionary Forces, the BEF, as they were called. And they were mainly called up from reservists and from territorial armies because at that point in 1940 and then 1939, the British army was scattered all over the world. So they gathered what they could. Mm. So in those five months when nothing was happening, they were trying to mobilise their forces. But Germany were doing the same. They were mobilising and getting that force ready to just sweep through Belgium and through France. And France fell really, really, really quickly. The Maginot Line they thought was going to hold and be unbreakable just, was, just fell apart. And the, the French army fell apart. So they were left with these two groups. Of, um, they're like, there was an army. There were over 400,000 men at Dunkirk. And sort of another huge number of them, I don't know the exact numbers, at Calais. Where they and they decided that the best way of the, the because of the way the, the the coves were the tides the shallow waters the best chance of evacuating was from Dunkirk. Okay. So they started Operation Dynamo, and Operation Dynamo was where they were going to get the Royal Navy to go in and get as many men off those beaches as they can because they needed to rescue as many men because that's going to be their fighting power in the days ahead. Yeah. Off those beaches and get as many free French off there as well because yeah. you don't want to have them all behind army, enemy lines or lose your army. Yeah. So that's what Operation Dynamo was the, 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 the operation to get as many men back from Europe as they could. And they made, they made a call to all the owners of small ships that are more, are more than 30 foot I think was were the call. Anyone who could man a ship was to go man their ships, take them round to the Kent coast, and then go across the channel and pick up as many men as they could. Mm. And this is where our film starts. <laughs> all right, so, got... so 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 does the film start after all that has happened? You see that unfolding. You see the newsreels where everything's good, and then you start seeing it fall apart. And you get two perspectives in this film. You get one on the home front, and you get one on the front. All right. So the ones at the front is John Mills and his plucky band of soldiers. They've been fighting with their unit and the line has fallen apart and they've become isolated from their regiment and from their unit. And there's a small group of men and they decide that they can't join up with their their company. So they, they, start, they start to fall back to Dunkirk. Yeah. And you see, you see their journey trying to get through the fields of France back to Dunkirk which is that all their other escape has been cut off from them. Yeah. And then in Britain you see Richard Attenborough. He's a... He's in. He's not. This is before the days of the conscript, so he hasn't volunteered to fight. He's of fighting age, but he's got a poorly wife and a baby, and she doesn't want him to join up. And he's a bit timid about the whole thing. He doesn't want to become a soldier. Yeah. He's not a fighting man, but he loves his boat. And so one day, when the call comes out against his wife's wishes, he decides that he's going to do his bit by doing what he can, which is to man the boat and to go across the sea to get the men. Yeah. And so you then see these two stories converge. You get the people in Britain getting their boats ready to go across the sea and you see the troops falling back and falling back until they all end up on the beach of Dunkirk with 400,000 other men. Mm. And apparently the first few days was absolute chaos. Yeah. And then they started to become organised. And then you see those newsreels where the people are on the pier, they're called the Mole. You've yeah. got people where they, they can dock the big destroyers. Mm -hmm. Then on the beaches, they made makeshift piers out of old trucks and vehicles that they lined up. And then there are them, they were queuing up in the sea. The men were queuing up in the sea. And, and this, is, this is all shown in the film? Yeah. It's all, okay. Yeah, you see the chaos at Dunkirk, then you see the order, and then you see... The, the little ships trying desperately to get across the sea. And, and, okay, and okay, and I know 
and I know that you, I know that you, use, I know you're quite a buff for films getting things historically accurate. Yes. So I meant to take it that Dunkirk actually gets things pretty much. I think it gets spot. it right. I think it does show the stiff upper lip. I think maybe a bit too much because we know from the accounts that it was chaotic on the first few days. But they did organise because. Well, I'm interested in one of these stories as well because one of my uncles was at Dunkirk. He was in the BEF. Yeah. And he was on the beach for three days. And he was one of the men who was in the queue on the sea. He waded three, up to chest deep with his pack and his gun. And he waited in the beach, on, up, you know, in the water for three yeah. days. And the, when, the, when it got night, you had to go back to the beach and then wait to queue up again at daybreak. So okay. you had to sleep, sleep on the dunes. So he slept for three nights on the dunes. Okay. And then he was picked up by a little ship off of the beach with his company of men. He was from the Isle of Wight. <laughs> and he was taken from a little ship to one of the destroyers, All right. which is the I-Class, so like the Intrepid, Invincible, Indefatigable were the name of the ships. We don't know which one he was on. Okay. But then they took them back across the sea. All but a right. lot of the little ships, when it was t- when they were running out of time, they would pack as many men as they could and then they would head off across the sea okay. on their own. All right, cool. Sean. Um, yeah, I just want to come in a bit here because, yeah. I mean, that's brilliant. Um, that's the history. But the film itself is great. There's some yeah. really, really good moments in the film. I think. Yeah, because I was about to say, you're, you're yeah. kind of like a resident war film uh, buff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you, you must have seen this film. I, I've seen this film three or four times. I, I mean, I really enjoy the film and, and some of the history is... Um, but as, as the film goes, it's a great journey. It's a really, really good journey, like um, Sharon was saying, where they actually... You know, they, they get an incident and there's a really great incident where they're there with like an anti-aircraft thing with an artillery thing. And they go, oh, you know, we, we're making our way to Dunkirk. And the actual artillery commander, this is probably my favourite bit of the film. Yeah. It, he knows that they're about to get bombed and he sends them off. I don't know if you like that bit, Sharon. Do you remember yeah, the bit? I, I mean, know the bit. He sort of turns up and they go, OK, he goes, Corporal, get your men, get them, get them going. And as they walk off, he goes, those lucky bastards. And then, and then as they're walking off, where, where the guns are, where these artillery guys are, the Stukas come in, the old German planes, and yeah, and they kill get them all. So, and then there's, there's lots of other, other great incidents. And it's a bit of a journey. It's like those films, you know, a bit like World War Two, Lord of the Rings type of thing. You know, yeah. Where they have to find adversity and stuff. So it's oh, only well, the that, last that, bit though on the beach. There's a, most of the film is about them preparing for those trying to those get scenes to, the, to get yeah. to the beach or to get them off the beach. Yeah. So there's that, but it's the last sort of hour on the beach that is, yeah. that, you know, where they, they you, you have the bit where they're, because where they're unprotected on these sand dunes and the, the beach stretched out for miles, but when they're on the dunes, they have no protection. Yeah. And there's one scene, isn't there, where there's an RAF guy got shot they down and off. he ends up in the beach <laughs> and they're going like, where are your guys? Yeah, where's, where's the where's RAF? The <laughs> <laughs> he's stuck with them, isn't he? That and with he's, the soldiers, yeah. yeah. And it's, he's like, no, well, we're being shot down in our, no, we're being shot down up there. We're fighting, but, but they're, but you they're see, too much, yeah. Back to the history, Churchill would not release fighters because he wanted to pull them off. And I mean, I mean, from the French side of it, the the French never really forgave us for it. I mean, I know it's put down, and we did get, I think, about got about hundred thousand, hundred thousand French, French troops off. off. On and one day, I think they got more mm. French off than British soldiers. That's one of the things they yeah, yeah. they were proud yeah, was, about. Yeah. But but the France said, why don't you release your fighters? Why don't you release the fighters? But he needed to hold them back for the Battle of Britain. He yeah. would not release. And yeah. the French were saying, well, you've got all these all these aircraft. Because they knew so, the Battle of France had lost, didn't they? Battle they knew France. they'd lost France. Yeah, that still went on for a bit, actually, the Battle for France. They, yeah. um, that, that went on for a little while afterwards. Yeah, because... The, but they um, left them. It's something that I, I've, I've, I, because I went to Dover Castle once, yeah. and in Dover Castle they have a whole thing about oh. Operation Dynamo and no. how it actually mm. happened. Because I think Dover Castle was the sort of like base of operations for yeah. this to actually happen from. Them. And I, I think in films as well, the first time I ever heard of Dunkirk, because I don't know whether it's just me, but um, uh, I'm just going to blame it on the fact that I grew up in Nigeria. But <laughs> but whenever I heard the word Dunkirk, I always th- I thought it was somewhere in Scotland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds Scottish, <laughs> doesn't it? Really? Yeah, I, I, it doesn't I always, look, sound French mm. at all, does it? Doesn't, it? Yeah, it wasn't until I saw the film Atonement, and Atonement yes. has this has cra- a scene at Dunkirk. At the <laughs> end. He has the scene at Dunkirk, and he has this crazy something like fifteen minutes tracking shot. It goes on forever. It just goes. Yeah. It's just this shot where the camera doesn't break, and it just Ooh, goes around the carnage yeah. Yeah, yeah, around yeah. Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yeah, yeah. And that's that was, the actual chaos. It was where they're all yeah. these different units. So separate from their officers, they were separate from their other their other regiments. So they were just these men were just milling around until they started organising them and getting them into a way to get them off efficiently it's, it's, i think joe's it's william hartnell in it or is that, am i thinking of something else i, I don't know I, don't, I was just thinking of doctor who for joe but i think, I think william hartnell think is, is the i think he's the rsm that sends them off on yes the, you're that right he definitely bit. is yeah and he goes it. like corporal but i mean it's 
it's a great film for that British adversity, British yeah. adversity. And the guys, That's where the Dunkirk spirit came from, wasn't yeah, it? It's like it that you, really, even really in the was. face of overwhelming defeat, yeah. Yeah. you don't give up. <laughs> because it's it's an Ealing Studios movie, isn't it? it? Is, so yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah. A, and some, it's some great actors in there. And I think we spoke about Ice Cold and Alex last week, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. So John Mills is like he's like the corporal that has to lead them, you know. Yeah. Well, having a bit of a John Mills, John Mills series, yeah, yeah. Yeah. John, John Mills, Mills loving. Season. I think he suits his sort of film again because mm. he's like the everyman, isn't he? He's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, not the most best no. looking. He's like you drop any British man in these circumstances, and it's John Mills. He's like the everyman. <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> that yeah, but you're making him sound like a like a sort of like you know a 1940s British Tom Hanks or something well, like that. Scott of the Antarctic. So he oh, was, wasn't he? Was wonderful. Yeah. I love that film. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great. great he's great he's film. your typical um, British man isn't he but but Sharon nailed it when he said he's not yeah he's not your hunky sort of tall yeah but he's 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 there he's he is he is the British character you know the British site the British yeah. soldier the British he's in a lot of these war films because he does sum up that that sort of you know mm. that bantamweight fighter he's not the heavyweight who's going to punt you know knock him out in one blow but he's going to keep fighting he's the battler which... have you got any favourite scenes in the scene Sharon in the film have you got any favourite scenes that you like or do you like the whole I do. There's a bit on the beach where there's a little boat. They because when Richard Ashton was his team come across the sea, That's their boat, their engine gives out, and they're like, well, they're swamped by all these cool. men who try yeah. to, and it floods the engine. So they're basically stranded on the beach as well with the other That's troops. Right, yeah. Brilliant. And then you have this moment where they have like a church parade where yeah. some of them are going, oh, clear off, and others like they're kneeling and they're they're sort of having that quiet moment where they think, you know what, whatever happens, we're we're here. Mm-hmm. And then you see the these guys who've come over from Britain from the safety of there to come to this chaos and they see it with their own eyes and that's our way in because we're not soldiers who watch it yeah. and so we see it through their eyes we see the chaos the fear those moments of faith those moments of hope and then you the, with the despair as well mm-hmm. and then when they get back home you you share that sense of relief I, relief that they, they escaped so I, I like those scenes when you see them dropped Okay. There are eyes into the film. Yeah. Can I just just the one point? There's just one point on that with the little bits because I remember what 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 you were saying. Um, and I know it's not film going back to history thing, but like like you, I had a friend, old friend who was a in the artillery and he was at Dunkirk, and he was saying that all the small boats had a naval officer on, and to stop them getting swamped, they actually shot their own troops to stop to keep them from well, to, swamping just the boats. To, just yeah. to help them help because them everybody them. wanted to get off. Everybody wanted to get on the boats. To actually get him to, yeah. So, so, and he said he actually saw naval officers shooting British soldiers to stop them swamping the boats. But there you go. It's that's what, that's what he said. Top of brown. Yeah. All right. Okay. So just one one final thing, and don't care before we have to move on quickly. So Sharon, did you ever watch it with your uncle? No, I never did. He died when I was eight. So he it wasn't we didn't dare share those memories with us so it's always been bittersweet because my mum sees it and she remembers her brother yeah but he was yeah he 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 died before i could really talk about it with him oh all right okay thanks so much for that thank you so much for that don kirk that's that's going on my list of my ever-growing list of films that we talk about on this show that i'm like yeah i need to go watch that <laughs> i need to go i need to go get my eyes on that Right, um, now, uh, we don't just want to prattle on about what we think are great films here. We actually want to hear your stories as well. Uh, With that in mind, every Friday afternoon, I cruise the halls of the hospital asking one lucky patient two questions. Number one, tell us the story of the first time you went to the cinema. And number two, what is your favorite movie of all time? This week, I had a lovely chat with Mary in Alveston Ward. And Hi, Mary. Yeah, hello, Mary. Mary, how Mary, are you? Mary Wallington. Wallington, Ooh. yeah. We helped her get her whole thing up so she could listen to the show. So, Mary, I hope you're enjoying it. And this is what Mary had to say. Well, it was a very long time ago, probably about 1951, 52, something like that. And I can't remember what the film was. But I'm willing to bet that it cost us about six months to go in, six old pence. Um... And I don't suppose... I just haven't got a clue. It was probably one of the early Disney um, Sleeping Beauty or something like that, which used to move around. But, no, I really can't remember anymore because we didn't have a television. So it was, you know, uh, quite a quite an outing to go to the cinema. We'd dress up as, as kids. I mean, obviously, Mum and Dad used to take us. There were, us, there were three girls and... Um, You'd always have usherettes that showed you actually to your seat because they torched you down the aisle. Um, I can't... Most of the movies were black and white, if I remember right. In fact, we didn't call them movies. They were films. And we still go to the pictures, not the movies. (laughs) But, yeah, um, I mean, I must have enjoyed it because we used to do it fairly often. 
Yeah. So over how often was that? Was it like once a week or something like that? Or? Probably more like once a month, which would have been often to us because we didn't go out as much as, as the kids do today. Because money was a little bit short and with three children to take, once a month would have been as much as they could afford. And we didn't go to McDonald's afterwards because there was no such thing. So it was chip shop for Fulton's worth of chips afterwards. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> oh, uh, okay, how about your favourite film of all time? Carousel. Or The Nun's Story, if we're being a bit more serious. But music, I love the musicals, all the musicals. And uh, Carousel is definitely the best. Um, the dresses, the atmosphere. Um, the girls were all slim, not like me. They, well, we used to be in those days, but yeah, it just just the general. Um, girls used to dress up, I think. The boys didn't, but the girls always dressed up. All right, how about favourite song from Carousel? Um, you'll never walk alone. Nettie, what am I going to do, Nettie? What am I going to do? No. Well, you got to stay here with me so I can be with you when you have the baby. Main thing is to keep on living. To keep on caring what's going to happen. Do you remember that sample you gave me? Do you remember what it says? There isn't another one, but I don't play it because I should cry. <laughs> Mary, I don't think it's just you, but uh, I think we're all just going to join in having a little bit of a cry because that is just... <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I know, I know, Joe. You're, you're like the Iron Man and everything like that. But very that, much so. Yeah, just but as handsome. That <laughs> Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, but that totally gets me where I live. So, but, like, it's yeah. We're actually just talking about this. We're saying like, oh, we're trying to figure out how that song goes from that to become like you know a massive football song in Liverpool and Celtic, and it's because they have the. If you've ever, I've been to Anfield when they've done that, and it's kind of like spine chilling and like you know hairs on the back of your neck kind of. Just just rising when they sing it and it's it's a different version to that and just a different way of that happening but anyway sharon you're kind of like a musical expert yeah i love unless, i love carousel oh unless joe wants to go for this no i would stick on iron man it's fine <laughs> <laughs> i love carousel is one of my favorites it's a great yeah, film isn't it okay so but not that song i didn't know that <laughs> i did. you kept that quiet i did didn't i how many but, years have we been friends and right. one of your favorite films and, is carousel and, and i should tell you why because when i was about not the wild bunch six years old no not sorry it's one of my <laughs> <laughs> but there's the, the song on it when i was really really little my father used to play me the records because used to get records of the films and there's a song on it it goes I think it's called Soliloquy or something. It goes, my boy Bill will be tall and as strong as a that's tree. That's one of my favourite uh, songs. And my father <laughs> used to play that to me and he goes, that's me, son, I'm proud of you. And <laughs> then it sort of changes in that. So after he talks about the boy, when I don't care. And then it's, wait a minute, what if he's a girl? You know what I mean? Then it goes, all, my little girl will yeah. be sweet You as have pieces. to be a father to a girl. You do, you? yeah. yeah. It takes a man to make a girl. That's the well, so yeah, it's a good. good How's your tune. daughter, Sean? Is right? She's great. She's, she's <laughs> I don't play her that though, because she looks at me like with disdain and goes, "What's that?" Yeah, no, but even then, I can, I can see the emotion when you yeah, talk yeah, about it, Sean. I, yeah, can, yeah. I can really see that. So, what exactly? Because I know Carousel is one of the great Rodgers and Hammerstein like uh, yeah. musicals, especially known for that song. But what is act what is it actually about? It's a love story in its essence, where there's the young girl played by Shirley Jones who meets this carnival barker, a carousel, the, the merry-go-round. He's, he's a barker, he actually calls people over and he sort of sweet talks her and they, they get married. And he's not a very good guy and he, he goes on these sort of jobs and he's, you know, he's, in, he's in for any dodgy deals. And when he finds out that his wife is pregnant, he thinks, no, I've got to, that's where the song comes in, My Boy Bill. If he's got a son, it's like, you can be a mate with a son, you can be a friend to a son, but you've got to be a father to a girl. Yeah. And he thinks I've got to I've got to get some money. I've got to be able to support my wife and my daughter. And so he goes out on this job and it ends horribly. And that's when this song comes in. He she's left pregnant without her husband, without giving a spoiler away. And then her her aunt, who takes her in, sings this song to her to give so that we will never walk alone to give her that strength. Yeah. But until that moment it's like a jolly romp. It's you know that there's all you know, we're going to the clam bake song and um I think 
June is busting out all busting over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's some there's yeah, some sure. lovely songs in it. But then there's this sort of heartbreak. And then you, the film fast forwards 20 years until the girl has grown up. He has a daughter and yeah. she's grown up. And then she's starting to fall into with the wrong crowd. She meets these carnival people and she thinks, oh, my dad was a carnival man. And she's almost seduced by one of them. And then... He comes. He's allowed to come down for one day to do a good deed, and he goes and he goes to his daughter, and he sort of shares his love with her through, you know, any way he can to give her a better a bit of hope. Is oh, he so, a ghost? So, Is so, he a ghost? <coughs> Sharon, I thought he was an angel. An angel. But, oh, okay. so there's a bit of a supernatural element to it as well. Yeah. Oh, that I did not and know. And what does he sing? You'll never walk alone to her. Uh, no, no I he's think there at her it's, graduation. It's, it's Shirley Jones that sings that. Yeah, She's he going, whispers to her, listen and believe yeah, it. Yeah. Believe yeah. it. Billy Bigelow, his name Billy is. Bigelow. Billy Bigelow. Billy Bigelow. He's like a roustabout. He's like, you know, played by Cameron Mitchell, who's played in a few good westerns by now. Oh, no, I thought it was Gordon. No, Gordon, Gordon McRae. Was it Gordon McRae? Yeah. Oh, it might have been Who's more McRae. Who I was thinking. What what? Did Cam- oh, Cameron Mitchell played his mate, his bad yes, mate. Yes, the bad mate. That took him to. to, to do the robbery. Do the robbery. Yeah, Wasn't so. he in High Chaparral? He was in High Chaparral. He yeah, was no, Uncle Buck in High Chaparral, series. if you know yeah. the television. <laughs> Mary, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you're enjoying this. I'm hoping that this is all making sense to you. <laughs> because I'm just, I'm just going like, okay, another film to watch, uh, another film to watch. But yeah, it's got that, it's the, it's got that fun, it's got that romance. But then there is that, where that song comes in, it's a spiritual song. So there's that sort of element of spirituality mm. that underlines it. Well, yeah, no, I was thinking because I think even when you're telling the story and how it fits into the story, because I, I think with musicals, you sometimes have musicals where the songs stop the story. Yeah. And it's kind of like, um, we just wanted to have a song here, so we're going to have a song and it's not really going to... But even the way you're talking about it, the way it fits into the storyline, I think yeah. I'm like, that's actually really, really, really good. Yeah, so when they're falling in love, the song's all about falling in love. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of the song, but there's a beautiful song that they sing to each other when they first meet. That's the one. What is it? What is if it? I, it's, called if, it's called If I Love You. If I Loved You. If yes. I Wonderful love song. Sean, I think we need to go around your house for like a single long oh, carousel, right. okay. man. Just put it on and let's just go for it. Yes, the thing. that's a beautiful song. And you know, they fall in love to yeah. that song. And then they go and have like the fun. Junior's busting it all over. They have fun. <laughs> and they go on this clam bake and they have these really. Oh, have mad you seen songs. it, Joe? No. <laughs> oh, we're definitely going to have to have a musical Yes, yes. Joe. I think we're going to have to like, strap Joe down into a chair and like you know put like toothpicks in your eyes to keep them open. She did mention uh, a nun story, which I think is an incredible yeah, film. Go yeah, the she nun mentioned story. a nun story, yeah. Fred's in a classic there, Audrey Hepburn. we talk about that? Yeah, oh yeah. Has that got Peter Finch in it as well? I believe so. It's got loads of people in it, actually. It's got it's quite a quite a classic not many i don't know people don't talk about it so much i don't know why yeah because yeah she was told she told me a little bit about the story i couldn't put it in because of time but it's uh, it, it sounds like it's quite like it's quite a big sort of emotional story and i never heard about it yeah i, so, I, so I bet one. she's seen if she likes nuns films there's a film called i think it's called a conspiracy of hearts is there a genre of nuns have, films? have you ever I'm seen sure there isn't but have you ever seen conspiracy of hearts sharon you might it takes place it's in italy sylvia sims is in it we talked about last I'm week not I'm sure, to be honest with you. And, and they're a group of nuns it's in italy and the Germans are there, and they sort of save. Yes, save I have seen you, it. When she, the one that's really, really nasty, horrible nun, she saves a little girl under a skirt. Yes, I've definitely seen it. She's yeah. horrible all the way through, and then there's a little girl, and the Germans come, and she hides. Actually, under Actually, there is a subgenre of nuns film. I'm just thinking <laughs> about the best films with nuns in. Wait till you get to my. Film. <laughs> <laughs> They're not naughty nuns films. No, are they? <laughs> <laughs> that's a different sort of genre altogether. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, Joe, we'll get onto the film you chose this week in a second but joe welcome back welcome back to the show it's all right i've been here i've been here yeah cool so yeah uh, joe uh, no i meant like no you weren't around last week oh right i think meant today <laughs> he was he was playing the role of no i won't say john merrick last week oh, yeah, that's all right okay all right okay people now every week on this show we actually missed the first clue on this joe actually runs a quiz for us in which he gives us a couple of clues about a movie legend a movie legend and we've got to try and guess before the end of the show who this movie legend is so joe seeing as we missed the first one you want to give us the first two clues and let's see what we can do with this i will do just that this uh, movie legend has appeared in seven movies Dealing with adultery in some form or other. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you, you say that right, and I already have a name in my head. Yeah, I don't. I already have a name in my head. It's a woman. Oh. <laughs> it's a, 
It's a uh, yeah, 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 mm-hmm, yeah. I'm counting them. I've, I've gotten up to four in my head. Okay. Okay. How about clue number two? Clue number two. Okay. Uh, in their own words, quite often I come up with a quote from the movie legend. Uh, this is uh, a quote from today's legend. They throw that word star at you loosely, and they take it away equally loosely. You take the responsibility for their crappy movie. That's what this means. Oh, I think I know who it is. I think I know who it is. That's good, because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, cool. We will, so we will carry on later. We are going to come back and we're going to have what, a couple more clues. What is it, two or three more clu- clues, I Joe? I've got two more if you want them. Okay, cool. Two more clues. We might need them. Yes. <laughs> but no, I think I, I think I know who it is. I think I know who it is. And it's funny you say that because I actually thought about this person. Why why does she always end up doing that in films? It's always adultery. But <laughs> anyway, Joe, you chose a second film this week. I did, yeah. Yes, you chose a Now, could you actually just tell me what the name of this film is again? Well, it's got a number of names. The uh, Japanese name, I think, is Sasori, which basically just means scorpion. Okay. Um, but the, the title that it tends to go uh, under these days is uh, Female Convict Prisoner 701. All right. All right, cool. Because I put a search into YouTube earlier today to try and find some music for this film. And um, some weird stuff came up. Some, like, really, really weird stuff. Let me just say, I'm glad my mum wasn't there. So... <laughs> so oh, right. Yeah, yeah. the name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so what exactly is this? Okay, we, we've, we've established it's a Japanese movie. But besides that, what else? What else can you tell us about it? Okay, uh, if you were looking for music from it, the track you probably would have come up with is the track that was featured in Kill Bill, Tarantino's uh, kung fu uh, uh, double film. Um, is it the... No, it's the one, I think it's called Urami Bushi. It's the one at the end of the first one. Japanese song sung by a woman called uh, Kajimeko. Okay. It's very, if you heard it, you'd definitely recognise it. It became very popular after Kill Bill. Okay. But it wasn't the first time it was used. The first time it appeared was in this particular film back in 1972. That's what it's originally from. And in fact, this film gets a lot of credit for influencing Tarantino's um, Kill Bill films. All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what is the film about? Right, so there's um, a young lady who is uh, in prison. Japanese girl, she's in prison. She, she's basically, she's like the Clint Eastwood of the film. She hardly says a word. Uh, I think she says one or two words throughout the whole movie. But the whole thing is just played on uh, expressions and uh, the things that she does to the other convicts in the prison. She's, uh, she's stitched up, she's sent to prison, uh, but she's got revenge in her heart. She's out to get this guy that used her and um, just threw her away. Uh, and she's in prison and it's about a life in this prison and how the inmates live their daily lives. They're not treated very well. The the um, prison guards are very unpleasant. Um, they put them through a lot of torture. They punish them, make them dig holes and fill the holes back in again and dig holes and fill the holes back in. And it's all about how they, they try to escape and and how they treat this particular girl in prison. All right, cool. So has anybody else seen this film? Oh, yep, I have. Oh, wait, so. I, I saw it the other day. What, what do you think, Sean? I, I I I have to say, Joe, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was I thought it was really really good. But then we were talking last week about Japanese cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're and, talking about it. With Japanese cinema, it's really really theatrical as well, and there's some great shots. And I can certainly understand why Kill Bill was made, and this must have been one of Tarantino's favourite films. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's very very Kill Billish. Um, yeah, it's got a few. Few moments that some people might raise their eyebrows at. Oh, it's certainly not a not a, it's, not a family it's, it's, movie. No, it's not a family movie <laughs> no. for sure. But if you're really into like the the genre of this type of thing, and it's uh, yeah, I, I I have to say, and I'm looking forward to seeing the second second version. I was really really surprised at it because I was quite skeptical. And mm. Joe says, "Well, you got to give these shows a go if you want to mm-hmm. see these films." And and I watched it, and it was really really quite great. I mean, the, some of the imagery was was fantastic. Yeah, and in fact, like like I was saying to you earlier on, the second one, the sequel to it, is even even more. I mean, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. It's mm. a really well-made artistic film. So is it, is it kind of like one of these films where a lot of the shots actually look like a tapestry or something like um, that? The second one more so. This one, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's quite a cheaply made film. Yeah. It's 70s, so it's got a kind of grain to it. It's It's... It feels like a 70s film, despite the fact that it's very Japanese. And yeah. it's actually based on a, on a, on a comic book um, from quite a long time ago. Um, but it, it, 
it's art, it's artistic in lots of ways. There are scenes where it almost plays like theatre, where the girl's having a flashback. She's laying on the floor, um, and the camera sort of goes over her, and the the part of the set behind her is lit, and that's the flashback. And people walk on, and scenery changes, oh. and it's, it's sort of set th- in a, in a, in a, as if it would be in a theatre. It's not like that throughout the film, but there are moments where they do that. I, and there's always there's a bit in there that reminds me of Kekamusha. I think I spoke to you today the sort about of dreamy, this, the sort dreamy sequence. Yeah. They always seem hallucinatory. Some of these drugs, yeah, almost hallucinatory, like they're on some sort of, you know, <laughs> weird drug, you know, psychotropic, psychotropic <laughs> the, the, drugs. There yeah. might have been what, a reason for that. Should... Oh, what are they? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but I, but I must say that I, that I did enjoy it much more than I thought I was going to go. You know, I'd seen this and I was thinking, well, I, you know, I don't know. But yeah, it's great. It's, it's Kill Bill and, and some yeah. of the the you know like some of the modern films you can see a lot of the the probably the western that sort of what do you call it horror Ho- not really horror thriller horror that it's, type of genre uh, it's certainly know. a western aspect a western aspect to it yeah. yeah yeah but the guards are just horrible people aren't they the oh it's guards extreme are really you know they they're just like <laughs> you know they yeah, it's kind of it's kind of it's, it's very, very over the top. It, it you don't a, yeah, you don't take it seriously. There's a lot of a lot of crazy things that happen in it where you're just like, well, that clearly isn't real. But that's not the point. Yeah, a guy gets something stuck in his eye and he just carries on. <laughs> just carries on. He gets just like a big carries just on, like a, telling everyone off. A big tube in his eye. He goes, "Why did you do that for? You're going to pay for that." So, <laughs> but the, but the fact, looking back on it, the fact that the main character uh, played by Kaji Maker hardly yeah. says a word. She doesn't. She, she says one she, or two it's words all in the whole expression. Thing. It's all but you know what expression. she's about, don't you? The you whole do, way through. Yeah, all the way through. And you, you know what tell. she's trying to do. And, and I like the end when she's in that like black widow oh, she's ha- hanging out waiting for oh, people she's hanging out she's just hanging out and she's slowly getting like revenge on these people and they're trying to find her and it's, it, it's, it's she a good becomes film. like this yeah. angel of death doesn't she that's really waiting for people yeah. around corners very visual, so, very visual. So if, if we're going to try and it sounds like it's quite hard to pigeonhole <clears throat> but if we're going to try and define it would you say largely speaking revenge movie it's um it kind of is but it takes a while to get going it's like the revenge aspect of kill bill at a certain at a certain point in the movie, but you've got to get there first of all. Yeah. I'd say it was a mixture of uh, a female Clint Eastwood, a woman in prison film, Grindhouse, 70s, and... Artistic. And, and an art theater. film. And an, an art, art film. film. Yeah, and and some theatre. It's a mixture, but it's absolutely brilliant. I absolutely love it. And the thing is, it's addictive. Once you, if, this, if you want to get into Japanese film, perhaps experience an aspect of cinema that you haven't experienced before, this film... After you watch it, will set you off on a on a journey looking for all kinds of things that you would wouldn't otherwise have seen. And, and the name again. Um, if you look for female prisoner seven hundred one or just scorpion, just type in scorpion or sasori. Sasori. Nineteen seventy two. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Um. Uh. Anything. Well, yeah, well, as I say, I enjoyed it much more than, I, you know, I mean, and I said, well, I've not really seen this film, and I've seen a lot of films yeah, know, yeah, in yeah. my time. But as I say, I was surprised of how actual good it was and, mm-hmm. and you know so it was a joke I was I was real sceptical at first I thought what are you doing because uh, like you probably looked into it and thought, mm-hmm. but it's it's a it's a real good film well no, yeah there's, there, I've, I've, I'm always I'm happy to find out that there's well yeah. it sounds a bit stupid to say but it's happy happy to find out that there's cinema there's Japanese cinema outside of Akira Kurosawa, Kurosawa exactly yeah. because when you hear Japanese cinema that's about the only thing that comes up it's Akira Kurosawa and Godzilla yeah, well, once like I say, when you find a film like this, it'll lead you on a, a whole new path to lots okay. and lots of. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll just say that Joe is holding up a book at the moment that says "Outlaw Masters of Japanese Film." Yeah, yeah. So, a, it, 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 you know, you can follow it through, follow the clues, and find all kinds of weird, fantastic, and bizarre I, things. I think with some of the films, actually, I have to say, I think probably some of these Japanese films influenced certain Western directors i'm sure of it because well, yeah because you know. there's bits of it that you, that you were speaking about that sound a bit shawshank redemption yeah yeah, yeah 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 so it's like without just just from what you guys were saying it sounds it sounds like mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah that sounds like a shawshank redemption yeah yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's like you say it's a yeah well i i until you see something it's like do you know what i mean i mean yeah, this yeah, film's yeah. so skeptical i mean the film was gonna i'm not sure it's going there but the film on the second scene uh which hopefully maybe talk about the guest sometime we'll talk about that yeah. but that was really really when I saw it the second time I was like yeah that's, I, I really really enjoyed that mm-hmm. and that had lots of influence I'm sure from, All right. from certain incidents in this okay cool the we'll... only image I'm thinking of I don't know if it's a completely awful thing is the girl from The Ring when you say about the angel of death is it that sort of image you get at one point Kind where... she's <clears throat> um, 
not really. I mean, she's obviously a, a Japanese Japanese girl. Not yeah, out to, to get yeah. someone, but she's 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 alive. She's she's just a person that's got. So it's a not like the long black life. hair staring and looking a bit scary. Not really. She's, she's got a no. hat. She's really okay. dressed up, quite stylish. <coughs> yeah. Right. So I've got a different image in my head a, altogether. A bit all, all, all I'll forget that image. Kind of. She's kind of Audrey at the end when she escapes. She's kind of Audrey Hepburn because there is a point. I know. I know. Tozen's got a big frown on his face. That's what I mean. It's just a well. There's a point when she does manage to get away from the prison and she sort of dresses up in a really classy outfit and becomes this kind of image, this almost silhouette of this woman in a hat, and she's sort of waiting around corners to take revenge on the people that have set her up. And so that almost that film noirish. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. There is. It's not the whole film. Again, it's a mishmash. But there's about a ten minute sequence. It sounds interesting. She's doing that. Have you seen the uh, Vengeance trilogy by yes the the Korean one Lady Vengeance, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and yeah, and Old Boy, Old Boy, yeah. yeah. So any sort of similarities, any sort of like influences that maybe have come down through the decades? Um, possibly. I mean, that's 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 probably the most famous um, aspect of Korean cinema. I think those those three films they're probably the most famous Korean films that come out in a long time. Yeah. So. Oh, I don't think the Koreans would like to to think that their films are influenced well, by, by Japanese. Japanese yeah. <laughs> There's but, some, I've seen some real good Korean war films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> Chinese ones are actually Chinese not Korean, but they deal oh, with right. the with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, the, it's a whole different, a whole different, different game. Topic, yeah. to, All right, ages. All right, thanks. Uh, this is this is what I like every now and then on the show that we actually we we go a little bit off the beaten track and we go and find something some sort of hidden gem that yeah. most people won't find. Sean, you're pointing at something. I was just no, I was just saying a really good. Have you seen the Assembly Chinese film? The Where, Assembly. I think it's called Assembly. I and think it starts I have. off in China, fighting the the Rush, the communist. It's a, it must be a communist film. Communists fighting the. It's not the that old. It's within the last ten it years. Is, is really it really is. Yep, yeah, it is. Yes. And and they end up in Korea. And although they're North Korean, an American tank rolls by, and he goes, "Just talk Korean," and they think we're, and they go, "Hey, how are you?" And all that, and they're, <laughs> they're but they're North Koreans. But, yeah. Because in this American tanks just lets him go. Cause it didn't work when I used to live in China. No, <laughs> no, no one ever believed that. But good Chinese. film. I'm sure it's called The Assembly. I'm sure of it. All right, cool. Good Check stuff. Good stuff. Well, thank you very much for that, Joe. Thank mm. you. For that. As I said, that was interesting. Okay. Interesting trip to Japan. Well, I'll have to lend you the, the film if you'd like to see it. Uh, I would like to see that. Right. Is this clue number three? It is clue number three time. Right. Okay. Along with uh, Warren Beatty, Clint Eastwood, Mel Gibson, Richard Attenborough, and Kevin Cosner. This screen legend is one of six people to win an Academy Award for Best Director, despite being mainly known as actors. Oh, rubbish. Well, that kills that theory, then. <laughs> it kills that theory, but Just it... watched Tozen's hope extinguished. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. no. It, it's... Did you read that list again? I've got a bit of a Phoenix thing going on here. Warren, Warren Beatty, Clint Eastwood, Mel Gibson, Richard Attenborough, Kevin Cosner, and... <laughs> one of uh, six people to win an Academy Award for Best Director, despite being mainly known as an actor. Okay, cool. Got it. The Phoenix is back. Phoenix is up. I got this. <laughs> he hasn't got it. I'm just going to. I've got this. I've got this. Got this. Got this. Got this. Got this. All right. Cool. <laughs> right. All right. Thank you very much. We shall come back for the final clue before the end of the show. You'll definitely get it on the fourth clue. I've, oh, I've made the fourth clue really easy. Well, Good. For, for some. Good for oh, yeah. dude, man. Okay. I'm well, not... you could have a go now, now. Cause yeah. You, <laughs> you could write it down. Write it down on a big thing, and then you. Can okay. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write my answer down on a piece of paper, which shall not change before the end of the show. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. Now we come to the final part of the show. On this show, the show is called "They Don't Make Them Like They Used To." Every now and then, what we actually do is that we come up with a film that we call an exception to the rule. So it's a film made after 1980s that we think, hang on a second, every once in a while, they do make them like they used to. And Sean picks that film for us. So Sean, could you tell us what film you've picked for us this week? I mentioned it earlier, actually, and it is The Guest. Um, wow. Yeah, and I know that Joe would approve of this. Um, and, and, and it works out quite well that it, it does revolve around this, this Japanese theatre. Um, a terrific movie. It's... Uh, it's, again, there's some great imagery. It, it actually harks back, I think, to 80s 80s horror, where there's like some real colourful moments. There's one 
there's a few silly bits in it, which um, I've spoken to Joe about, which I think is quite silly. But uh, Joe, but you, for me, that made the film. That, that made the film. It's really funny. <laughs> for me, That's I'm like, oh, bit. they get it. They totally yeah. get it. They're not yeah. taking themselves too seriously. No, 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 no. They're exactly. making a rubbish yeah. 80s film for me. <laughs> and, and Joe actually pointed out these points. And I, so, so when I saw it the second time, I was like, yeah, do you know what? This is really, really a good, a good okay. movie. Okay, so the guess this was released last year. Last year, yeah. yeah. It, it, was, last year. it was released last year, and it starred somebody who is primarily known for being in Downton Abbey. In in what is what is um what from everything I've heard about this is is a departure is from Dan well, I've Dan never Stevens, watched, yeah. watched uh, Downton, but I have to say he was <laughs> very very good in this. Yeah, was, I, good. I don't I don't think that there's many people walking around with like guns in neon lit rooms shooting people. Well, that's why I don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us, can you just tell us, generally speaking, what is the storyline of the guest? Okay, you, now go for it. Okay, I'll, I'll check okay. in because you, you, I've I've been. Chopping on quite a lot, so and I know you like this. All right, well, it's um, there's a guy who turns up at a at a family. It turns out he he's he was friends with their son who was killed in uh, in the army recently, and he's like, I just wanted to come by and you know say hi, meet you, Um, and they're like, oh, you got to stay. You're like you're like the last link we have to our son. You were you were with him at the end, and you got to stay with us. He's like, no, no, I've got to go. They're like, no, no, we you know we want you to stay, so he stays. And he seems like the ideal guy, the perfect chap. You know, he's nice, he's, he's handsome, he's helping the, 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 the son uh, with being bullied at school. He's sort of sticking up for him. He moves in on this family. It's a little bit weird, a little bit creepy, but he's, he's nice. But then you get the sense something's up. Mm. Something's up with this guy. <laughs> that we're not being told the full truth about him. It would be a boring film if that didn't well, happen. Up to this point, it's a, a thriller. Oh, yeah? It's a cold, hard, well done, genuinely interesting thriller. And then the filmmakers go, no, actually, wait a minute, we're not telling that kind of a story. We're going to make a really bad, rubbish, cheesy 80s film, and you're going to love every minute of it. And and you're like, whoa, okay, I'm along for the ride. Okay, you know, go for it. Turns out the guy was experimented on by the military and turned into this this killer, this super fast, super strong, quick reflex maniac, basically. And And he's out for... Uh, revenge. I, I, I think what it is is he just has to get rid of anything that's going to cause any problems, and and his way of idea of cleaning up things is to actually deal with it. all this family, deal yeah. with it. You know, it needs. So now they know that there's something up. He's got to get rid of them. He's got to cover his yeah, tracks. Got and, cover his tracks and yeah. do it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And um, and he does. And, and it, it sounds very Ultron like. Oh well. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> there's Indeed. a film. There's a film. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he, he goes, he, you know, he goes over the top and causes his family uh, hell, and and it all descends into this, this unpleasant experience for the family, which culminates. And I won't tell you the absolute ending, but it culminates in a scene right out of an eighties slash. It really does, like in a school right, with yeah. like the disco music going, and, and <laughs> like a ha- Halloween props yeah, yeah. everywhere. Okay, and okay, all right, cool. Okay, this explains it because I got some music from the guest. Oh, which one? Which one have we got? I got uh, something called um, Annie Antonio. Oh, yes, toes in, all is forgiven. <laughs> yeah, so, wait, 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 something was... <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, like having no clues for the first half an hour. This makes up for it. <laughs> all right, cool, I got this, and I was wondering why this sounded like this, but you've kind of just explained this. Oh. So from the guest soundtrack, this is Annie Antonio. Brilliant song. I don't know whether to be freaked out or to fall asleep. But it's, 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 that's, that's beautiful. That's haunting. Yeah, that's no, almost it's, Japanese. That's it, haunting. Man. Yeah, I know, I know, We're I know, back in the 1980s and loving it. What's I know, I know. <laughs> but at the same time, it sounds, it sounds like a lullaby. It's not, well, it sounds a bit like a lullaby. Of it's, it sounds like my lullaby. Listen to the lyrics. It's incredibly romantic. It's all about this girl who's got this baby and, and talking about the father. And it's, it's, it's great. It's really, really. Well, it's put, it puts you in exactly the right frame of mind to watch a film, which is an homage to 80s films. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you're, so what you're telling us is that uh, so a film that can be shared in the pantheon of all movies has it, it has been made as an homage to 80s movies to not bad, just 80s movies to bad, bad 80s, 80s movies, movies. Yeah, got, yeah the 80s which is probably one of the most so like you know the the nadir decade of films like where you think there was a there was a lot more rubbish than there was good stuff 
Uh, well, that's a bit hard. I disagree entirely, and in fact, we have to devote an entire show to debating this. Eighties <laughs> was if you're if you're a geek, if you're a you know if you like your geek, geek films, then the eighties was the time. You think about it, everything came out in the eighties. And there aren't many films you can no. sit and watch wearing leather. No, no, it destroys no, no, no. the seventies. Destroys the seventies. How could you say that, 70s, Joe? After I let you talk 70s? about the, there's <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I think nineteen seventy-seven Star Wars. That's about it. The rest of the this decade was a. I'm obviously joking. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, one of my favourite films is Apocalypse Now. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Okay. Sure. Tune in next week for the Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we just put Joe and Sean in a room and let them duke it out. The 80s. We can all agree the 90s was embarrassing, though, right? I don't really think. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 no. How was the 60s for you, Sharon? <laughs> oh, oh, no, I just joke, 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 joke oh, there, Sharon. Sorry, mate. Oh, <laughs> no, I know. Oh, sorry, I meant the, the noughties. Dead. Sorry, the noughties. The noughties. I didn't mean that. I was too young to know. I oh, know. All right. Okay. Well, you, see, you see, the thing is, like, in my head, the 80s were embarrassing. The 90s were kind of like nondescript. Like I can't really. I think I have to think really hard and think. Oh yeah, yeah, that came out in the nineties. That came out in the nineties. Jurassic Park. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we're not going to go into this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we're not getting back onto this anyway. We're running out of time, so thank you very much for that. And Joe, time for the final clue. Right. Okay. The final clue. Um, Tozen reckons he's got someone in mind already, uh, and you've written it down on a bit of paper. Is that right? Yeah. You're sure? Yeah. Uh, I've got Sean's, mine written down Sean's on a bit of paper just as to well. to make sure that there's no. There's no foul play. Yep. <laughs> you can hear it. Right. That's my answer. The last uh, final clue. Um, this screen legend started acting on TV in 1960, but one of his most recent roles came when he joined the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Boom! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I think Tozen's... Um, Do you reckon? Well, I don't know. It might not be. This is the first time he's got one right since... 2011. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Boom! Got it! Got it! Nailed it! Glenn Close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Agatha. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I don't know now. All right. Oh. Okay, people. We have we we um yeah we have about two minutes. So. Well, I thought it was. Can I go with an answer? Guess. Yeah, go on then. Michael sure. Douglas. Ooh. It's a really, really good. That's a guess. great guess. And then it fit in with the last clue. It does fit in Almost. with the last clue. But it's. it's I don't think. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Ant Man isn't out yet. Yeah. It, well, yeah. But he still joined it. But this is his last year. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Cool. Last year. It's not Michael Douglas. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I think Tozen's got it. I was going to say the same. Yeah, it's Robert Redford. Who, who else? It is Robert Redford. Well, of course. Robert who? Redford. Robert Redford. <laughs> is that, he's actually got someone. I read somewhere that he's actually got like a Paul Newman drink in the salad fridge dressing. or something. Yeah, yeah, salad yeah, yeah, dressing. Yeah. There's loads and loads and loads yeah. of references throughout the whole film. Yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. Yes, the answer is Robert Redford. Robert oh. Redford. Well done, Tozen. Bad guy in the Winter Soldier. <laughs> well done, Tozen. I think he got a producing thing. Well, I'm thinking of Michael Douglas. Did, did he do a producing award yeah, for yeah, yeah. One Flew of the Quickest Nest? He won. Not he, won he won an award. That's where I went for, horribly wrong for Best Picture for um, yeah One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. But when you were mentioning all the people who were directing, I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Why haven't you mentioned Robert Redford? Oh, that's because the answer is Robert Redford. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Process of elimination. 1990, Ordinary great, People. Great actor, great films. Yeah. Seven yeah. films about uh, adultery. Do you want to know what they are? Yeah, quickly. Barefoot in the Park. Uh, it was The Way We Were, The Great Gatsby, Out of Africa, Havana, Indecent Proposal, The Horse Whisperer, and The Clearing. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so nothing in Barefoot in the Park. Horse, horse well, he was, he was married in Barefoot well, in the Park. Yeah, he was barefoot. Yeah, yes, that's okay. right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah. we're out of time. So all just left, left, left to say is thank you for allowing us to invade your eardrums for the last hour. It has truly been a privilege. We shall see you at the same time, same place next week. And until then, get well soon, get home safe, and remember that they just do not make them like they used to. Bye, Mary. Goodbye. <laughs>